shocking announcement. Big deal. Huge change. Clown world. The Bank of Japan announced something. Hardly anybody knows what it is, but because it's a central bank, because it's something unusual, we're supposed to pay huge attention to it as if it matters. Well, it actually does matter, just not for the reasons everybody says, of course, because that's how all of these things work. Now, what the Bank of Japan said was they're going to widen the trading band for its YCC or yield curve control. What yield curve control technically is, the Bank of Japan says that it wants the 10-year government bond yield to be around 0%. But recognizing that we live in a marketplace or that we operated with a marketplace, the, tr the yield can move around positive or negative here and there all the time. And so when they say they're, they're targeting around 0%, what they're saying is they'll let the yield go up and down depending upon circumstances within a range before the Bank of Japan will act. If the yield goes too high, the Bank of Japan will buy those 10-year bonds to get the yield back lower. If the yield goes too low, as it has, the Bank of Japan is supposedly will sell bonds into the market to try to get those yields back up. In other words, to exercise a flexible yield curve control. As of right now, the Bank of Japan's YCC range for the 10-year JGB is plus or minus 25 basis points. And what the what the authorities in Japan announced last night was that they're going to widen the trading band to plus or minus 50 basis points. And the reason, the technical reason they're doing so is because there's such a major kink in the yield curve because of that narrow band and because of what's going on in the rest of the world that has forced the Bank of Japan to act. That along with consumer price pressures that they said that they wanted all along that are now proving to be too much has forced the Bank of Japan, these central bankers, to act and pretend once more that they're in charge of all of these things. But see, here's the thing here. The tail isn't wagging the dog. Consumer prices are not because of the of, of QQE or anything the Bank of Japan has done. Just like the Bank of Japan is reacting to this kink in the yield curve to change its YCC. What's happened, as usual, is that the tail doesn't realize it's the tail. And the dog is actually wagging, wagging its own tail as it's supposed to. Well, let's, let's unpack all of this Japan nonsense and put it in its proper context. Just a minute. First, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. As always, thank you for joining me. If you're interested, we have memberships available at our Eurodollar University website. That's eurodollar.university. Exclusive member videos where we get into the nitty-gritty details of things like quantitative easing. What is QE and why it does not work? Exhaustive examinations of the monetary, economic, and financial consequences of everything that goes on in these central bank clown shows. We also have research subscriptions. There's a sale at Markets Insider Pro. Check that out. Also, the deep dive analysis. There's a couple sales going on there. All the information available at eurodollar.university. What is yield curve control? Well, yield curve control, it's, it's hard to explain with a straight face because it is totally a clown world, clown show type of thing. So let, we have to back up a little bit. 
policymakers are aware that QE does not work, that low interest rates have not worked. They know that. They don't say that in public, or they do. When they do, you have to really read between the lines to hear it, or to understand exactly what they're saying. But they know QE doesn't work. They know low interest rates haven't worked. So they have to come up with reasons why that's been the case. Now, most of the academic-focused studies, the dry studies, have realized the simple truth of the matter is that the central banks are largely irrelevant. So long as they have a, a problem in the banking system, it doesn't matter how many bank reserves you create because those interbank tokens have nowhere to go because they're just simply swapped on a bank, commercial bank's balance sheet. So as long as the commercial bank, which creates all the effective money in the economy, as long as the commercial banking system is flawed, broken, uh, not functioning properly, there's absolutely nothing central banks can do. But they can't say that. They can't come out and say we're powerless because the banking system is broken. We're not really sure why the banking system is broken to begin with. So instead, what they've come up with is this theory, this idea that QE hasn't worked because it works only too well. Now, stay with me here. The theory goes something like this. QE works really well. And because it works really well, then that's going to unleash inflation, just the right amount of inflation down the road. But the marketplace anticipates QE working really well, which means they know that inflation, the market knows that inflation is going to go out, going to start to rise down the road. And if inflation starts to rise down the road, the market also knows that central banks will raise rates in response to that. So anticipating that QE is going to work really well, the market begins to raise rates before the inflation shows up, anticipating all of the stuff in the future. Therefore, rates rise prematurely, choking off the positive effect or the presumed positive effect of low interest rates. This, by the way, is the stuff behind forward guidance. If you've ever heard that term, this is why, because what they're really saying is that QE works really well and it's, 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 it's been foiled by its premature success. It doesn't have a chance to succeed because the market only knows that it's going to succeed and therefore central banks are going to raise rates, therefore rates go up. So if you believe all this nonsense, then what you're going to try to do is to make sure that rates don't go up prematurely, thus yield curve control. Yield curve control was introduced in Japan in September of 2016 for this very reason. Earlier in 2016, the Bank of Japan did a bunch of stuff, including negative interest rates and, and, and more QEs, again, QEs, and said, okay, at some point, this is all going to work. The market's going to pretend it's all going to work. Or the market's going to believe it's all going to work. And then rates are going to rise too far. And if they go up too far, too fast, before we want them to, it's going to threaten to choke off the recovery before it really has a chance to get going. So we're not going to let rates rise prematurely. We're going to target this 10-year spot on the Japanese government bond curve and make sure that those rates stay right around where we want them to be. Now, of course, that's not how things work. And that's really the problem here is that Central bankers have the wrong idea about interest rates to begin with. And of course, that leads everybody else to have the same problem. The interest rate fallacy, which is that low rates are not stimulus. We're always taught to look at this from the perspective of borrowers. If low rates, low rates might be stimulus to borrowers, but even then the 
the equation, the factors are far more complicated than just our rates relatively low to where they were yesterday or the day before or the year before. That's not everything involved in finance. In fact, there are so many other factors to take into account, including the supply of credit, which all else being equal, we don't live in a senator's paribus world, but all else being equal, maybe banks don't want to lend when rates are low. Did you ever think of that, central bankers? Of course not. So even on its face, the idea that low interest rates are effective stimulus already runs into serious challenges because we live in a complex, dynamic world. So if interest rates are low, it may be that they're low for other reasons. And therefore, it's not as if low rates are a sign of successful monetary policy or stimulative or accommodative or ultra easy monetary policies, which even to this day, the the uh, mainstream media calls all of these central banks programs ultra easy when, as in Japan, there's no evidence anything has been easy. There's no evidence anything has been stimulated. And if that's the case, then there's really no reason to do yield curve control because it's not interest rates that are the problem. In fact, if interest rates were to begin to rise for the right reasons because of economic recovery, that would be a good sign. That would be the market saying, as before, this was a successful program that, or just successful, uh, successful recovery for whatever reasons. We should want interest rates to rise, not blame interest rates rising for the, in, the lack of success in things like quantitative easing. And again, Japan is an absolutely perfect example of failure. More than two decades of quantitative easing and zero interest rate policy failure. Rates have stayed low, not because of the bond buying, but because the marketplace knows it doesn't work. And therefore, because it doesn't work, because it doesn't raise the level of liquidity, because it's not stimulative, because it's not easy money, everybody wants to own the safest, most liquid assets, which happens to be JGBs. But there are times when safety and liquidity are a little bit less in demand because of these temporary, intermittent, reflationary periods, such as, for example, 2017. Not long after the yield curve control, we had in 2017, if you recall, globally synchronized growth. This idea that in 2017, all the stuff that central bankers had done, including the introduction of forward guidance to take care of that pesky premature rate rise problem, 2017 was supposed to be the year that success, full and complete global recovery was going to be witnessed by the entire world or more or enough of the world that they could, we could finally put the 2008 crisis to bed. It took them a decade, but after all of the stuff that happened, finally some success. And into 2018, most of the central banks believed that that was the case. The market didn't, but central bankers did. And so the Federal Reserve raising rates and in, in, in introducing quantitative tightening, the ECB began to wind down and then eventually terminate its own QE with an eye toward its own rate hikes. Never got that far. And even in Japan, the Japanese started to think about what do we do to get out of QQE? Because this globally synchronized growth thing seems to be working. And what they said was, well, first of all, we got to wind down yield curve control because we need to let the interest rates rise because we want them to. And number two, 
or before we even get to number two, which is raising rates, yield curve control has to be relaxed. So in July of 2018, the Bank of Japan announced shocking, major, absolutely big deal, except it wasn't. They widened the band for yield curve control. In other words, they allowed what was previous, at that point, the initial, the initial stage of YCC from 2016 to 2018, it was targeting around 0% for the 10-year JGB, but allowing it to trade within a band plus or minus 10 basis points. So in July 2018, anticipating the successes of globally synchronized growth, they widened the band to 20 basis points, plus or minus 20 basis points on either side of zero, expecting that eventually Bank of Japan would first terminate QQE and then begin raising rates. So they wanted the yield curve, they wanted the yield curve to rise at that point in time. But what they found out was the Japanese government bond yield curve didn't want to rise at that particular point in time, regardless of YCC or not, because this is all a clown show. Within a couple months of widening the band, after initially, of course, you saw yields pop up. JGB yields 10 years in, across the curve as they had around the rest of the world because these things are related. But by the end of 2018, Japanese government bond yields were sinking and sinking very quickly because all of these central banks that were thinking inflation, growth, acceleration, 2018 and 2019, found out that once again, they were wrong. There was no acceleration, there was no inflation, and yields sunk all over again because of those facts and those factors. Now, the J Bank of Japan also widened the, the YCC, or yield curve control, on the 10-year Japanese government bond one other time. That was March of 2021, after there had been a rise in bond yields in the early part of that year, consistent with some reflationary trends, again, across the rest of the global bond market. You see, in, in, the, uh, in the U.S. Treasury yield curve, for example, early part of 2021, vaccine euphoria, reopening, all of that, all those positive effects, there was a steepening in the U.S. Treasury yield curve, as well as some of the European curves. And you saw a little bit of that impact spill over into Japan. And so again, thinking the tail's wagging the dog here, but backwards, Japanese officials widened the YCC band to plus or minus 25. And then of course, not long after, in fact, even really before the, the widened band took effect, yields started to fall all over again. So while central bankers believe that they need to control the marketplace, in reality, they're always reacting to the marketplace and always reacting in a, from a perspective that is looking backwards and thinking backwards about all of these things, including the effects of quantitative easing, or in Japan, what they call QQE. QQE has been an utter failure. And you know it's been an utter failure because as of this year, heading into next year, this is year 10 of QQE. What was supposed to be the most powerful stimulus any central bank has ever come up with. Monstrous bond buying, huge increase in bank reserves, money printing out the whatever the Japanese term might be. And 10 years later, they're still doing it. And the numbers are just absolutely mind boggling, which only goes to show 
it doesn't work. It doesn't have any effect. Or if it has any effect, which is arguable, it isn't the one everybody's thought, everybody's led to believe it is. Um, earlier this year, I mean, the Bank of Japan's assets, total assets, total amount of just financial stuff that the Bank of Japan has bought nearly reached three quarters of a quadrillion yen. The level of bank reserves went from 58.6 trillion, which already pretty substantial. That was back in April of 2013 when QQE first started to 492 trillion, almost half a quadrillion in bank reserves earlier this year. So from half a half a from 50 50 trillion to half a quadrillion in the space of 10 years, over 10 years, especially with a with a particular acceleration after 2020, no effect. In fact, the reason the Bank of Japan is acting, not just the kink in the JGB, JGB curve that we observe, but more than that, consumer prices are finally starting to reach Japan. And consumers' prices are finally starting to reach Japan, not because of everything the, J, uh, the Bank of Japan has done, but because the global supply shock price effect is finally being felt. In fact, you can see it in the CPI data. As soon as the Japanese remove the last of their pandemic restriction, well, really their pandemic advisories, all of their emergency programs earlier this year, CPIs jumped. Consumer prices are rising for Japan rapidly to the point that they've accelerated by October. We won't get the November data until later this month, later this week, excuse me, I think on Thursday, uh, Thursday, Thursday night, depending on the, the exact time of the release. But either way, for Japan, they have the highest consumer price acceleration since the early 1980s, far surpassing anything that the Bank of Japan has been able to create in its 20 year, 20 plus year history of quantitative ease. It took the supply shock as well as Japan's over-reliance on imported goods that have gone through the roof in terms of prices, which requires them to pay for them in dollars they can't easily get, as I explained in an earlier video, all of which is contributing to both the plummet in the yen as well as now consumer prices, which brings us back to the original problem, which is the Bank of Japan feeling it has to pretend it's in charge by doing something about both the kink in the yield curve while also taking credit for consumer prices and pretending that it's going to do something about that by letting, by letting interest rates start to rise. And I think what they're gonna, just like 2018, they're setting themselves up for another embarrassing U-turn because the markets, while interest rates differentials have gotten out of, well out of hand, Japan versus other countries, We've already seen like in the treasury yield curve, long end rates start to fall. So Jap Japanese rates are moving up relative to other rates around the world. But as those other rates around the world begin to reverse, it's just like 2018 all over again. Which means today's shocking yield curve control announcement is nothing more than another example of the clown show that is non-money monetary policy. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you for joining me. As always, huge thank you to Eurodollar University members as well as all of our research subscribers. More information about all of those things, Eurodollar 
www.ucla.university. So until next time, take care.